have a few things we want to say. Some just something we hadn't much talked about lately. I don't think it's a necessarily a lacking of what we do, but I do want us to just talk about it for just a few minutes. We are um, there are a number of things that those who claim to be and are disciples of Christ, who are saints, Christians, that we are required to do. And one of them is to be here on Sunday morning and Wednesday nights. Whenever we assemble, that's where, where we're supposed to be. Um, we're, we're here to mainly is to remember the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord and Savior. And that's a purpose in us. Because he's the one that saved us. There are other things we're to do, but I won't list them all. But what we are, we do know we're supposed to do is we're supposed to do good. We're supposed to do good to all. I just want to look at that uh, for a few minutes and talk about it. And and uh, just just a few thoughts I had uh, before we while while on this subject right here. So we understand that God has looked out for our interest, for mankind's interest in general. He's looked out for us, and he has since he created everything. Uh, he created us in his image to begin with. And, uh, but in addition to that, in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 29, it says, And God said, See, I have given you every herb that yields, yields seed, which is on the face of all the earth, and every tree whose fruit yields seed, to you it shall be for food. So he's given us uh, his creation, if you will. And all these, uh, it seems that when man was supposed to start eating, uh, that it was the plant life that he was to eat. And then in uh, Genesis 9 and verse 3, For every moving thing that lives on lives shall be food for you. I have given you all things, even as the green herb. So he uh, apparently added the, the meat that we were supposed to eat and uh, to help us. But all of this is for us, and he's provided for us from the beginning that we should um, be able to sustain our lives and with his help, of course. But he's also looked out for our interest in Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 40. You shall therefore keep his statutes and his commandments, which I command you today, that it may go well with you and with your children after you, and that you may prolong your days in the land which the Lord your God has given you for all time. So he gave Israel his statutes and his commandments, his law, and they call it the law of Moses, that it might go well with you and with your children after you, that you can prolong your days in the land. Now, we understand he's talking about the promised land, that they would be able to do his will and he'd take care of them. He would take care of it. In Deuteronomy chapter 10, in verses 12 and 13, And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, and to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and to keep the commandments of the Lord and his statutes, which I command you today, for your good. So he's given us, he, he gave them his law, they were to fear him, fear the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord with all their heart and with all their soul and to keep the commandments for your good. So he's done all this 
he took care of Israel as long as they took care of him, as long as they obeyed him. He was uh, faithful to what he said he would do, and he always is. Many, many years later, I'm going to read a scripture from Jeremiah. Many, many years later, after all of this, all Israel has been given his law. In Jeremiah 32, verses 38 and 39, they shall be my people, and I will be their God. Then I will give them one heart and one way, that they may fear me forever for the good of them and their children after them. So he still, he wants people to serve him. He wants uh, to, uh, as it were, prolong our days, that it may be good for them and for their children after them. So this is not something new. He's been doing this for all those times. But the one, the, the verse that really, and I've read this, I don't know how many times up here, that really clinches everything for me is Deuteronomy six twenty four. The Lord commanded us to observe all these statutes to fear the Lord our God for our good always that he might preserve us alive as it is this day. I just think that verse for Israel, it, 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 by extension, it could be, should be for us as well. To fear the Lord our God for our good always. Always. We'll do his will. Put aside our will. And serve him, it'll be good that he might preserve us alive. He'll take care of us. And I just want us to understand that. Now, Jesus also looks out for our, has looked out for our interest in Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 25. Open your Bibles and let's read that. Matthew 6 and verse 25, beginning. Matthew 6 and verse 25, it says, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first his king, the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So this chapter, this, uh, this set of verses right here, is filled with verses that tell us don't worry. If you look, just a few of them, in Matthew uh, 6, verse 25, Therefore I say, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink or all that. And in verse 26, look at the birds of the air, for they neither... So here's a reinforcement of that. You look at the birds, they, your Heavenly Father feeds them. And we're worth more than they are. And in verse 28, so why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. Just a plant life that God has nourished them. 
And so, by extension, he will us as well. In verse 31, Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? Don't worry about these kinds of things. And in verse 34, he says, Therefore do not worry about tomorrow. What tomorrow will take care of itself, in other words. But in verse 33, we have the, 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 the solution to all of our worry. It's to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. So Jesus says, which is the same as God, by extension, he's provided for us as well. If we'll do his will, if we'll put him first, if we will do his law, if we will seek him, he'll provide for us. That's the solution to all of life's problems, really, of just serve the Lord. Serve the Lord to just do what he says. But what about when something may happen that leaves somebody in need? Whether it's a natural disaster or uh, of the flood or something that just destroys your house. Or <laughs> there's a fire or something like that. Or you get injured and you're not able to work. What... Um, what do we do when things like that happen? That's what I want to talk about for a few minutes this morning. So we're to look out for the interest of others, basically is what he's saying. If you look at Leviticus 19, verses 9 and 10, I know that's not talking about today, but I think is there's a precedent set that when you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not wholly reap the, reap the corners of your field, nor shall you gather the gleanings of your harvest, and you shall not glean your vineyard, nor shall you gather every grape of your vineyard. You shall leave them for the poor and the stranger. I am the Lord your God. They are to reap their crops that they plant. And it's going to sustain them, but they're not to what? They're not to go back and repick it and get every little thing. They're to leave that for the poor and for the stranger. So God is, is telling them, you take care of those who have a need. Uh, you just, it, it just stays in the field for them, and they're welcome to pick it. We know somebody, the, a book in the Bible where all this happens. And think of Ruth, wouldn't you? And Boaz, Naomi. So we understand that from the beginning, from early on, for the Jews, they were to take care of their uh, friends, their people. So it seems that every contingency was thought out and taken care of under the old law. Everything, you, you just didn't have to worry, you were going to be taken care of. Now, in David's uh, time, when he was fleeing from Saul, he, had to leave, he left in a hurry and he went to the city of Nob, the town of Nob or whatever it is, and he went to the priest there to get some food. The priest said, I don't have any, just regular old bread. The only thing I have is the show bread. That is, that the New Testament tells us they're not, nobody's supposed to eat except the priests. So he actually gave David the show bread, or some of it, if not all of it, for he and his men, and they ate it. Now, this is talked about in, Matthew, in Mark chapter 2, 
among other places. Mark chapter 2, verses 23 through 28. But the priest took care of David, even though David wasn't really supposed to eat of that bread. He took care of it. In um, the early church, look at Acts chapter 4. Turn to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. We're going to read beginning in verse 34. Now there were among them though there were among them though those who lacked for all who were possessors of land or houses sold them and brought the proceeds uh, of those, the things with, that were sold. My glasses are not in the right position. And they laid them on the, at the apostles' feet and they distributed to each as he had need. And Joseph, who was also named Barnabas, Barsaba, Barnabas by the apostles, which is translated son of encouragement, a Levi of the country of Cyprus, having, sold, having land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. So here in the New Testament, that's what they, in the early church, when there was a need, the people, Barnabas here, sold their stu- his stuff, some land, and laid it at the apostles' feet, and they provided for the needs of those who were there. In Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, it says, I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to, be, to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love. I highlighted some of that, a little bit of that, uh, those two verses right there. But with the lowliness and gentleness, we were called with all lowliness and gentleness. That we are not supposed to be elevating ourselves. We're to be just humble and meek and lowly and gentle. And what we understand that the Christians sees our Lord and our brothers as important. They're not just an object. God's important. And our brethren are as well. And we have a responsibility. Lowliness and gentleness, you might say meekness, mildness, gentleness, kindness. In Numbers chapter 12, and verse 3, Moses is called the most humble of all men on the earth. With all the, the leadership abilities that he had and all he did for 40 years to lead his people in the wilderness, the, through God, the power that he exhibited, uh, he's the most humble of all. So that's how we're, we're supposed to be. And to bear with one another in love or forbearing, to, we got was to seek to help when needed. We're to seek help. Not to get, not to do anything, get exasperated about helping somebody. It's just to be, it's something we just do because of Christ, because of others uh, that the Lord has helped and accept us all. So we're to look out for the other's well-being. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 24, let no one seek his own, but each one the other's well-being. I'm not looking out just for me. I have a concern and a responsibility to look out for others here in this group, but maybe my neighbor next door or across the street. We're to look out for each other's well-being. There's an old saying, 
It's God first, others second, and self last. The law and the prophets talked, or the, the law talked about, if you put the Ten Commandments in two categories, I understand we're not under that law, but it was to serve God and your fellow man. And that's the two great commandments in, uh, reiterated in the New Testament, to serve God with all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our soul, and love my neighbor as myself. So that's what we're supposed to do. We look out for the interest of others. Because that's required. In 1 John chapter 4, verses 10 and 11, it says, In this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. If you look at this, look at these verses. There is love. There's love. He loved. He loved us. There's five different times the word love or loved is in those two verses. And be loved or beloved, whatever how you'd like to pronounce it. In all those six instances, even this one, it's a form of the word agape, the, the Hebrew, the Greek word agape, the, that kind of love. Um, I thought that was rather interesting when I started looking at all this, and the agape love is a sincere appreciation, a high regard, affection, loving concern. Many today would say active goodwill. What does that mean? We show that we care for somebody because we do it. We, we do what needs to be done. So that's the kind of love that's mentioned in 1 John chapter 4, verses 10 and 11. Looking out for the best for people. In Galatians 6 verse 10. It says therefore as we have opportunity. Let us do good to all. Especially to those who are of the household of faith. We're to look out for all. We are to do good to all. Especially. My brethren. We have a special responsibility to our brothers in Christ for their well-being. I'm not solely focused. It's not just about me, but it's about all of us as well. Here's a quote that I did. I didn't put it in quotations because I changed one word, but uh, that I read in a, in a commentary but written by a brother. It says, for a brother in Christ to have a physical need unprovided and to be suffering want could be an occasion for unbelievers to blaspheme the name of Christ. Think about that. One of us here, and we're just having a terrible time. Terrible time, but we just turn our shoulders or turn our back on someone. What, are, what, is, what's, what would the world say about that? It wouldn't be pretty. They might even blaspheme the name of Christ. But what we're to do out of the life that we live is to bring glory to God. When suffering, uh, brethren are relieved through the sacrifice of loving Christian, the word of God is glorified. The world glorifies God. Look in Acts chapter 2, verses 44 through 47. Acts 2, 44 through 47. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common... 
and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among, the, among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. So for what they did, they drew favor with all the people. They were praising God, and they were living the way God had wanted them to do. And it brought glory, as it were, to Christ. In Acts chapter 6, in verses 1 through 7, turn there if you will. Acts 6, verses 1 through 7. Now in those days when the numbers of the disciples was multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenistic, Hellenists because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. Then the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, It is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith, and the Holy Spirit, and Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch, whom they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them. Then the word of God spread, and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. And very well might have been the actions of what they had done. They were taking care of people that were need, needed uh, when needs were met. And that was what they were supposed to do. But the, the, the apostles said, let's do it this way. And that's what they did. Turn to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. We want to read verses 10 through 21. Romans 12 verses 10 through 21. <clears throat> Be kindly affectionate one to another with brotherly love. In honor, giving preference to one another not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, a vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will reap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So, just look at some things in there. Be kindly affection to one another with brotherly love in honor giving preference to one another. This brotherly love that's mentioned in verse 10 is the Hebrew would, uh, I mean the Greek, ever how you pronounce it, would be phileo, phileo. I think that was rather interesting. Uh, said the same word twice, and we translate it brotherly love. To honor or give preference 
to one another. I care for you before I do those outside. Because of the love that we have for Christ. And we have for each other. So we give preference to one another. Not lagging in diligence. We do everything that's necessary. And we want to do it because it helps my brother. Or helps my neighbor. But it helps. Distributing to the needs of the saints. Distributing to the needs of the saints. Helping when there's, when there's a need. Giving to hospitality. Uh, don't repay evil for evil. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. We serve God. For all he's done, he's done for us, not what we've done, for he, what he's done for us. We don't look at ourselves as somebody. We're sinners. And that's what we deserve. To, what, to be how he wants us to be. If you look in Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 8, it's on the board. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. We'd have that same mind that is spoken of earlier, and we'll get to that in a minute. But we're to be like Christ. And he's our example of helping others but he's helping us in a much more significant way by what he did on the cross. Who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. He took off his privilege in his rightful place in heaven. And took the form of a bondservant. He, in my, the fleshly body like mine. And he's coming in the likeness of men, he says. And being found in appearance as a man. So he says it in three different ways, really. Taking the form of a bondservant. Coming in the likeness of men. Being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself. And became obedient to the point of death. He learned obedience by the things which he suffered. He became Obedient to the point of death, even the death on the cross. As terrible as it is, as terrible as it was, that's what he decided he was the best way to bring us back to him. That was the way to do it. That he would be our sacrifice. And so we're to be living sacrifices, by the way. In Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. We understand this great crowd of witnesses uh, from Hebrews 11. All these people that were mentioned by name and not by name, but by things that happened. So we lay aside every weight. Anything that would drag us down from serving God, whether it's 
work or play or whatever. We lay those aside. And the sin which so easily ensnares us. If, if those things are first, those weights that hold us back, if those other things in life are first, that's going to ensnare us. It's going to, it's going to give us the opportunity, more opportunity to sin. And we run with endurance the race set before us. We lay those weights aside, run with endurance the, the race that's set before us. Looking unto Jesus, we keep our mind's eye, if, as it were, on the goal, not just on now. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising and shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. I always think about that. Who for the joy that was set before him. Terrible agony he went through. And we talked the last time I was up here. I did about the night in Gethsemane. And the. Um, him looking forward to that. In an apprehensive way. The great. Uh, the sweat drops his great. Uh, drops of blood. Uh, the, the tears is great drops of blood. And the sweat. And, uh, and he's, he's. He doesn't want to do it physically. It seems, but he knows he has to. For the joy that was set before him, for the good that it would do us. It's not about me. It's about all of us. He did this for all, for the joy that he would get from seeing us if we live for him to see us in heaven. So, in Philippians chapter four, verse or two, verses one through four, I want to go back now and read those. Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for your own interests, but also for the interests of others. And then he would have gone into verses 5 through 8, which we already read, talking about Jesus taking the form of a man and a bondservant. But he says of us, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. It's not about me. Had never has been about me. I might make it about me, but I'm not supposed to. Let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interests of others. Yeah, I look out for myself. Make sure Sandra and I are doing things right. She looks out for me. But we look out for each other. The interest of others, not sticking my nose in someone else's business. That's not it. Just make sure we're doing things right. And if, if I'm there to help, if not, if something goes wrong, when that catastrophe might happen, then I'll be there. That's what I've got to determine to do, to be there to help. Christ did so much for us. God has done so much for us. He's provided for us physically during our life on this earth. But much more important than that, he's provided spiritually for us that we might, uh, let's see. 
despising the shame, he endured the cross for the joy that was set before him. We um, have the opportunity this morning, if we're not living right, we're, we've already been baptized into Christ, if we're not living right, to make it right, uh, if you would come forward, or if you've not been baptized into Christ to have your sins washed away, this is a good time to do that. So why don't you come while we stand and while we sing?